Our Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we are grateful that we can. We thank you that we can be in this place tonight where the focus is on salvation and seeking the lost and blessing lives and lifting people up and being involved in ministry on the front lines, financially invested. We are grateful. We thank you for soul winning and evangelism, your great gift to the end time church. And we pray that because we've been here tonight, we would hear your voice and we would be encouraged. Lord, I pray knowing that you will not rely on the limitations of fallen humanity tonight. And I pray your spirit would not be restricted by that, but that you would speak to us and bless us. We love you, we thank you, we praise you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Please say with me, amen. amen. Every so often you meet somebody who will admit to things that certain other people wouldn't admit to. I was at a camp meeting earlier in the year and spoke with a pastor who happened to mention that he was a musician. And as you do, we talked a little more and I said, what is it that you played? Or what is it you play? He said, played, played. I said, okay, what was it that you played? And he said, I was a drummer. He didn't look the type. I said, you were, you were a drummer? I mean, what sort of drummer? He said, I was a drummer in a heavy metal band. <laughs> and he didn't look the type, which I think on the balance is a really good thing. Not everybody wants you to know about some things from their past. I'm not trying to suggest that would be the most shameful thing by any means, but it was interesting. There are some things people won't admit to. Many of us here are old enough to remember 1977. That's when Saturday Night Fever came out. And you won't find a person at this convention who will admit to have bought the double album. <laughs> and some of you did. Many of you, thank God, because you walked a better path, didn't. But some of you did. But you won't admit it. There aren't many people who will admit to having worn once a powder blue polyester suit <coughs> or bell bottoms. I don't think you should admit to that, frankly. Better that you admit to being a heavy metal drummer. 1975, a craze swept the United States. I just wonder how many people would admit to have been part of this. A businessman, well, he was an advertising executive to begin with. His name was Gary Dahl, D-A-H-L. Gary Dahl grew sick and tired of hearing his friends talk about the trouble they were having with their pets. Cats that roamed the neighborhood, dogs that dug in the garden, dogs that shed and left hair or fur or whatever it was they left everywhere they went. He said, man, y'all should get a better pet. And that's when he came up with the idea. A pet you don't have to feed, a pet that doesn't shed, a pet that doesn't make noise in the middle of the night or any time at all for that matter. A pet that won't cost terribly much to buy and if you wanted to buy one, you could buy it from him. And along with a bed of straw and a cardboard box, a little carry container, for just $3.95, Mr. Dahl started marketing the pet rock. Did you buy one? <laughs> Out yourself, one honest person here. 
Two, I'm concerned for this year's convention. <laughs> Some of you all are sitting on your hands. <laughs> the pet rock, what a craze, huh? Now he made a lot of money, he ended up losing a lot of money. In his words, wackos came out of the woodwork to sue him and he spent money on lawsuits that I think were largely frivolous. He would drive to Rosarito Beach, 10 miles south of the border, the California border, uh, into Mexico. He'd load up with the rocks, bring them back, and, and it was just like that. He was selling rocks. He tried to sell a few more fascinating things after that. Uh, one, one he would, this is interesting, he sold a tube of sand, and you don't remember this because for some strange reason it wasn't successful. And next to it was another tube of sand. He said, this is the male tube and this is the female tube. And he says, this is, you know, you can grow your own beach if you just put the sand together. <laughs> he demonstrated lightning does not always strike twice. Of course, people bought pet rocks because what they were doing was buying into the gimmick, buying into the fad. A pet rock, you know, you like to think when you get together with other business types or entrepreneurial types that you come away with great ideas, great ministry ideas, maybe some good business ideas, maybe some, I don't know, ideas to enhance your personal life. Pet rock, who'd have thought that would fly, but the pet rock was business, finish the phrase, it was business, yes it was. It was business unusual. And sometimes business unusual comes along because somebody just has a bright idea. It might be motivated by making money. It might simply be, be because you looked at something and you said, wait, there's a better way. And you can think of many products that you think, I could have thought of that or I might have thought of that, but somebody looked at what you've been looking at for years and just saw a difference business unusual. Sometimes business unusual is pressed upon us by the simple fact that the times, they are a-changing. And so a few years ago, you could do your shopping without even leaving home. The internet came along. And what was so fascinating is that you could go online and order your groceries and your food could be delivered to your doorstep. What an amazing concept. When I was this big, my mother used to get on our telephone, which was a telephone connected to the wall with a curly cord, and she would call Phyllis at the IGA downtown, make her order over the phone, and the man who owned the supermarket would deliver it. So business unusual isn't always very unusual. But we started to shop online, and Amazon changed the world after Walmart changed the world. Business unusual. You know what's odd? I remember when uh, a few years ago when the kids were younger than they are now and we explained to them, we said, we used to stay at this hotel. It was odd that we happened to be back there. We used to stay at this hotel. We would go to conventions at this hotel. Oh, would you? Yes, we would. And let me tell you this. When we were looking for restaurants, in fact, this was at a town that later on we lived in, so there was a point of reference. And when we looked for a place to eat, we would go downstairs and we'd go to the foyer and go to the front desk and they had a card with recommendations on it and you read it and you took down the address and then somebody either had a map or you asked for directions and they looked at us like we had two heads not between us but two each and they looked at us and they said you didn't just google things changed 
business unusual. It's all different now. Sometimes our business practices change because of great ideas or because of circumstances. Here we are, it is 2018. I'd like to hope that nobody watches this 20 years from now and says, 2018, remember that? I'd like to think that doesn't happen. I'd like to think we're going to be out of here by then. So we'd all like to think we're going to be out of here by then. That's what we all want to think. So the question we've got to ask ourselves is, what are we doing to ensure that we're going to be out of here by then? You see, if you're producing, let me try to think of something, shoes. No one here is doing that. If you're producing shoes, and you're producing a hundred pairs of shoes a day, and yet you want to take California by storm with your shoes, you know you're going to have to produce more than a hundred pairs of shoes a day. Something's got to change. And so you know that you need an injection of cash, and you need to hire more staff, you've got to buy more equipment. Things have got to change. Because if you don't do something different in the way you do your business, you are going to end up with exactly the same results. Am I right? Absolutely. So here we are this many years after the church was called into existence by God and we're doing what we're doing and we're doing it how we're doing it. And it would seem then that what we have done that has brought us this far, if we're on a trajectory like this, and I know there are some variables, I will consider those with you. If we're on this trajectory, then the likelihood is we're going to stay on this trajectory if we just keep doing what we're doing so that in 20 years we can come back here and hear somebody say, I hope we're not here in 20 years and we can all say amen all over again. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no way in the world we can be satisfied with the status quo. We just cannot. And that's not to criticize the status quo. That's not to say that what we're doing is bad or wrong or foolhardy. It's simply to say, if we are serious about getting out of here and getting home to where we belong, we are going to have to change gears. We're going to have to kick it up a notch. We just must, because the law says, if you keep doing what you're doing, how you've been doing it, you are damned to achieve the same results that you've been achieving. So with that in mind, let's consider a Bible story. We'll go to the book of Numbers and chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, we're going to start at the beginning of the chapter. That would be verse 1 in most chapters. Numbers chapter 11 and verse 1. And while you're turning, I'll start reading. If you have a Bible, open it up. If you have a device, turn to Numbers chapter 11. And we will begin in verse 1 where the Word of God says, And when the people complain, now that's something that doesn't happen in church today. That was yesterday. Uh, it's an old-fashioned uh, concept. And when the people complain, it displeased the Lord. Oh, my brother, my sister, we could take an hour to talk about that. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. I read that, and I think about me, to be honest with you. And I say, oh, my goodness, Lord, there has to be a better way than the complaining I do. And if we all thought like that, and if we all gave our complaining to God and invested 
a fraction of the energy we invest in complaining in ministry, I tell you what, it would be business unusual. It would be business unusual. And so the word of God says, the people complained, the Lord heard it, he was not happy. The fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost part of the camp. Can you imagine if that happened today? Why did God do that? Why did God incinerate people who are complainers? I shall tell you why. God did that because he loves us. God did that because he is good. It's not because he was unkind or ruthless or hateful or spiteful. God knows he wants us to get to heaven and he'll do whatever it takes to get our focus off ourselves and off our unpleasant circumstances and on to the only one who can do anything meaningful about it. And fire came. And this was God's way of saying, look up, don't look down. Look to me, not to yourselves. Look to God and not those unpleasant things that you don't like. They cried to Moses. Moses prayed. The fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Taberah. That means burning. You don't even need to be a scholar to know that. Because the fire of the Lord burned among them. That's what happened. And so we come down and what do you read? You read some amazing things. I'm losing my monitor. I don't know if that was planned or not, but it was disquieting. And you read in Numbers chapter 11 and, 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 and verse, we'll find it. Oh my goodness. Verse, man. The mixed multitude, at least we can blame them. They fell a lusting. And the children of Israel caught the disease. And they wept again and said, who will give us flesh to eat? Here they were on their vegetarian diet that God had them on, preparing them for the promised land. I see a parallel. I hope you do too. We remember the fish which the Lord, which we did eat in Egypt freely. And then they spoke about the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. And now our soul is dried away. Listen to this. This is one of the most staggering statements that you'll read in the whole Bible. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Can you imagine that? It was their lifeline. And they were saying, we got nothing to eat, except, of course, for this which is given to keep us alive. Isn't it remarkable some of the things that we complain about? You complain about the pastor. Thank God you have one. I mean, in most cases, thank God you have one. You complain about your spouse. You're lucky to have her, man. How spoiled for choice were you back in the day? The things we complain about. You complain about your kids. Ah, oh, what if you didn't have any? You complain about that. And here they were complaining about the greatest blessing that God was giving to them, other than the gift of life, and this was sustaining life. They complain. And God describes the manner and so on. And then Moses in verse 10 hears the people weep. They're complaining. Moses was unhappy. And he cries out to God. He said, why are you doing this to me? Why have I not found favor in your sight? You are laying the burden of all of the people upon me. It was Moses' turn. Have I? Did I give birth to these people? Have I begotten them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nursing father beareth the suckling child? Man, how am I going to find food? There are too many people. It's too heavy. If you deal with, it, with me like this, kill me. I pray thee out of hand, if I have found favor in your sight. Can you imagine praying that prayer? Well, the Lord said to Moses, 
Get 70 men of the elders of Israel. People you know to be the elders of the people, officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there and I will take of the spirit that is upon thee and I will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you will bear it not thyself alone. God promised something great was going to take place and he demonstrated to Moses that he was with Moses at every step in that journey. But let's drop down here. They talk about the meat that God's going to provide it for them somehow. Verse 24, we're narrowing in on our point here. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him, that is, that was upon Moses, and gave it to the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. And they did not cease, which is interesting because most every other translation of the Bible says they prophesied and that was it. They were one and done. They stopped prophesying and they prophesied so no more. You can work that one out in your own time. So this was a blessing. There's a number of things that we could deduce from this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this, church member. Let me tell you this, Christian friend. There are times when you look around and, and you are going to be convinced that you have just cause to complain. You are convinced that the church is going to hell because of what you see in your little corner of the world. You are convinced that everybody's mad except you and when you have those thoughts, it's probably good to double check. <laughs> you are convinced that it's not like it was in the good old days and it may well be that it's not. But I want you to, to, to see what God demonstrates here in the Bible. Moses hears them complaining, and they are complaining. And he's done with carrying the burden. And he goes to God and cries out. And what does God do? In the midst of his distress, in the midst of his discouragement, God pours out his Holy Spirit in a marked way, in an unusual way, in a meaningful way. And God is saying to Moses, Hey, Moses, I am in the middle of this thing. This is still my people. You don't have to like what you see. You don't have to agree with everything that's going on. But it's my people. And if you want to transpose that to another key, God would be saying to you today, you may not like everything that you see, but it is still my church. I believe that. If I didn't believe it, I would leave. This is still God's church, and it don't matter where on the color palette you color yourself. You can hear people next to you, nearby you, belly aching like nobody's business. Listen, if we simply coveted to get our noses down and our tails up and put our shoulders to the grindstone, it would be business unusual. We would see a flurry of soul winning activity like we've never seen before, and I want to point out something here that I think is crucial they prophesied and they either did cease or they didn't cease depending on which version of the Bible you are reading but there remained two of the men in the camp the name of the one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad and the spirit rested upon them they were of them that were written but went not out unto the tabernacle and they prophesied back in the camp 
Moses called 70. For some reason, 68 came. These two fellows were detained or they didn't get the message or something, and they prophesied back there. And then a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. We don't know what tone of voice he was using. We simply know that he was reporting the facts. And of all people, Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses number two, one of his young men answered and said, my Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses, as we're going to read in just a moment, did not want to do that. In fact, let me read that verse. I'll make this point and then I'll double back around and make another one. Moses said to him, envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Now there's, I think, at least two points that we can make here. Number one is this. If you have anything to do with the work, it is not your role to limit the activity of others. Of course, you want to provide guidance. I find it interesting. We're in a place here where there's a lot of people representing supporting ministries. And yet you can go to some parts of the field and you define the field. And you can discover that among leadership, there is no love for supporting ministries. You know, that attitude has got to be an abomination in the sight of God. It just has to be. As though there's any group of leaders who can actually get the work done all by themselves. It's madness. What God is saying here is, don't envy because there's somebody not in your direct um, jurisdiction who's getting on and doing the work. Don't do that. Thank God for what God is doing wherever God is getting it done. Wherever he's getting it done. We don't need less Eldad and less Medad. We need more. We need more people in more places who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Can you say amen? I know you can. We need more. We need more people raising up. Now, now I, I don't want you to take my remarks out of context. Obviously, we are all part of a whole, and we need to plug into that whole and understand where we fit into that whole. Understand that unity in the church is absolutely essential. But God isn't bound by our boundaries, and God wants to work in unusual ways. This was unusual, so unusual that Joshua said, we got to put a stop to that. But Moses, as wise as he was, said, no, you don't want to put a stop to that. And I want you now to notice what Moses said. He said, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. You know what Moses was praying for? He was praying for business unusual. Moses knew, here we have 68 and me, 69, two over there who are prophesying. What about the others? What about the others? What if God had so many people in such a powerful way that his spirit did something the likes of which we have never seen before. Can you imagine it? Listen, if we go on the way we're going on with a few people active and a bunch of people who are just spectators, if we go on with churches where people come merely for the performance and not to plug in and be active, if we continue to educate people that church members are consumers and the I'm going to use the word clergy, the clergy, because I think it fits the concept, the clergy are the producers, we are going to be wandering in the wilderness for another thousand years. 
It's God's plan to pour out his spirit on everybody so that everybody takes her or his meaningful place in the front lines of the work, sharing one's faith. And this is what I love about the church. There are places where people clamor for office. They want to be the pastor or the senior pastor or the elder or the head elder or the deaconess or the head deaconess or the choir leader or whatever it is. And there are people, some of them, who get a little miffed when they don't get to be what they want to be. Well, here's the wonderful thing. The highest you can climb in church is sharing your faith with somebody else. That's the highest you can climb. And you don't need anybody's permission to do that. You don't need a permission, to, you don't need a position to do that. You can share your faith wherever you are at any time, day or night. You have God's permission. Moses said, would God that he would pour out his spirit on everybody. And the fact of the matter is, God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit. He has said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Moses knew business unusual. It's not better plans, although better plans are great. It's not more workers on the payroll, although that may be a blessing too. It's not better programs, although better programs never hurt nobody. It is more of God's Holy Spirit coursing through the veins of the church, coursing through the veins of church members. It is people on fire for God whose primary urge, whose number one priority is sharing Christ when they can, any place they can, because we know Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. For a witness to all nations, and what's the next word? And then shall the end come. That's when. And as long as we sit around like bumps on a log, the work won't ever get done. Except, my last statement, of course, doesn't take into account that God has a plan. God's going to get the work done. You know what I read someplace? I read that the Holy Spirit is going to fall down in such great measure, in such great measure, that many people are going to look around and see this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and call it fanaticism. Can you imagine what that looks like? Can you imagine being part of that? Can you imagine? You know, God wants to see the church rise up and do something different. That's my statement. You can check the validity of that. And I think that's true because I've read what you all have read in the Bible about the gospel going to earth's remotest bounds. We haven't done that yet. And it's not just that God wants to see the gospel go to earth's remotest bounds. If we really believe that that's what God wanted, we'd crank up the printing presses and send a great controversy and a set of Bible studies, it is written Bible studies, to everybody in the world. <laughs> we just have a great big uh, offering and then mail them out and we'll say, that's it, the gospel's gone to the world. But you know that that's not exactly what God's asking. We could mail them all DVDs. There it is, the gospel's gone to the world. If we really believed that's what God was trying to get done. Bible studies, DVDs, that's it, Jesus is coming back. But we know there's more to it than that. I was really fascinated to read that in uh, Nebraska, about five miles from Union College, 
scientists at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln produced, I believe this was last year, might have been this year, a flash of light or a beam of light that was, let me read it, I wrote it down here, one billion times brighter than the surface of the sun. wonder how they did that. Now, now it only lasted for 30 billionths of a millionth of a second, but still, that's a really bright light. And when we talk about light, we know how vital light is. First day of creation, what did Jesus say? Let there be, and Jesus is the light of the world. Now, we know that, but the plot thickens when we listen to Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. That's when the plot thickens. Jesus never said, you are the preacher of the world. Although, I'll be the last one to say, let's sack all the preachers. I'm in favor of preachers. But he said, you are the light of the world. He didn't even say, you are the Bible study of the world. Although we know that sharing the word of God is sharing light. It was David who wrote, the entrance of your word gives light. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a, tell me, a light to our path. God is calling for business unusual. We just can't go on doing exactly what we've done the, the same way. Now, see, when I say the same way, that then calls our methods into question, and our methods have got us this far. It's not the message or the method. It's the messenger. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. The prophet Isaiah wrote this. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And when you get down to Revelation chapter 18 and verse 1, you read that God's Spirit is poured out into his people with such amazing power that the earth is lit up with a manifestation of the glory of God. That's the fourth angel's message. The earth lit up by God's Spirit shining out of God's people. My friend, I would say to you, that is business unusual. It seems to me, of course, there are plenty of people committed to that ideal, but so many that are not. So many that are not. And this is why the shaking will come and tribe after tribe will go out and company after company will come in. And then we'll have a people that are radiant. I'm not, I'm not angling for that day, but it's going to take place. Business unusual. Moses was there with 68 of his brothers. The Spirit of God was poured out. Two more over there in the camp, not right there with Moses and the boys. Ah, oh, there's a problem. Moses said, no problem. We need more of that, not less. We need more of God's Spirit being poured out, not less. We need more people being raised up by God under the unction of the Holy Spirit of God, not less, not less. The world must see in God's people a revelation of the character of God. It must. You can imagine then, can't you, if we, if we possess Christ in our hearts by faith and then we share the word of God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine sitting down with a Bible study and God's spirit has you? It's no guarantee, but it makes this book irresistible when God has you and you indeed are the light of the world. Not just talking about it, not thinking about it, not hoping for it, but experiencing it. 
business unusual. It has to be the missing link. It has to be. Our doctrine is solid. Sorry if you don't like it, it's solid. Sorry if you are busy finding fault with it, it's you who's wrong, not the church. It's solid. So it's not the doctrine that's the problem. Is it the methods that the, we simply haven't come up with a new program? E.M. Bounds said, the church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. We just came back from Manila. We led a team of 41 on an it is written mission trip. It was fantastic. Three and a half thousand people were baptized. That's credit to the work of the church in Manila. Uh, at Central Luzon Conference. It's fantastic. I'm standing in the pool baptizing people just this last Sabbath. And as they come to me, I'd never seen so many pastors in a pool baptizing at one time. And as they would come to me, I would say to them, how did you hear about God? And person after person, I would like to tell you everyone, not everyone, only 90% or so. 90% of them said, my friend told me. My friend invited me. I said, did you come to the meetings? Yes. How long have you been coming to the church? 10 years. <laughs> I said, what took you so long? She said, well, you know, I just was never ready, but, but now I'm ready, and I'm just so glad to be getting baptized today. I said, how did it begin? She said, my friend asked me. My friend. You know, here in the United States, we talk about the Philippines. We talk about places like Peru as though they're aberrations. Well, they are, in as much as people are willing to share their faith. Of course, it's not one world, and one field is different, and another field is different. Understand that. But can you imagine if everybody in your church, including you, was praying and looking for ways 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to share Jesus with others? Would it change things? Man, it would change things. It would be business unusual. Unfortunately, we're, 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 we're too often like the squid. You could, about 20 million people have watched this on YouTube. In a restaurant, somebody gets served a bowl of food and a squid is on top of it. It's a dead squid, of course. Now, I never have figured out why anybody wants to eat squid. I tried octopus once, and uh, not lately. Uh, and I would, have, I would have been better off chewing on my rubber boot. It was just terrible stuff. And so the person reaches for the soy sauce. Now, the, 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 what is it I said? It was a squid. The squid is there, looking squid-like, just sitting on the, on the food. And the person, the diner, you, should, you ought to look at this, it'll creep you out. The diner takes the soy sauce and sprinkles soy sauce on it, and the squid comes to life. It looks like one of these, one of these boys on the cardboard on the street breakdancing. It is just all over, like Michael Flatley. It's just, it's river dance on the plate. There's a lot of activity in that bowl, but the squid is dead. And I wonder if far too often we don't confuse activity and life. Jesus told us, you are to be the light of the world. That can only happen one way. As Christ pours his spirit out. As we yield to that and pray, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up. If we got 100% of the people in church praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, business unusual. Yes, we ought to plan bigger. We ought to strategize. Plan, get your brightest minds. Come up with better resources and products and think about the technology and the times. Of course, 
But without the Holy Spirit of God, it's just business as usual. Same song, different verse. That's all it is. We are standing as close to the edge of eternity as we want. The X factor, of course, is God's timetable and what God is going to do. But we are standing as close to the coming of Christ as we wish. If you want to be filled up with the Holy Spirit of God, you can be today, tonight. You may be. And you may receive more tomorrow, no matter who you are, where you're from, what your background, what your educational level or your attainments in this world. And God would use all of us, every one of us, in the most powerful way. Business unusual. I think it's time. And if the Holy Spirit has us, if Eldad and Medad rise up and we don't try and push them down, and if there are more Eldads and more Medads who are prophesying in the camp or wherever it is they are because they're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a new day. Thank God this is not a mystery. Thank God it's not unattainable. He's not asking us to climb the highest mountain. Simply yield and let Christ fill us and let his spirit empower us and let the power of heaven remake us and then use us in incredible ways. God will do it, the work will be done. You know, some time ago, Alexander Graham Bell had a vision. I don't mean a vision, a dream. He said, I have heard articulate speech produced by sunlight. I've heard a ray of the sun laugh and cough and sing. What Alexander Graham Bell had done with the telephone, he believed could be done with the photophone. He said, you ought to be able to send a message with light. And now with fiber optics, that's exactly what happens. Your text message goes to a receiving station, let's call it. That electromagnetic wave is converted to light. And then along with millions of messages, it travels across the Pacific Ocean, let's say to China from where we are here. Some messages getting off along the way. The process is converted at the other end and it happens in one twentieth of a second. Because your message is sent as light. We have a wonderful message. Here it is, the three angels' messages. Sell it, never. Keep it, always. Love it, share it. But I tell you something, when it goes forward as light, the message will be accompanied by a power the likes of which we have never seen. Let us pray tonight that God would have us and use us and pour out his spirit upon us and that as Jesus wished, we truly would be the light of the world. Let us pray, our Father. It's too late in the history of the earth for anything else. Grant that we, your people, would be moved by your spirit. Grant that we would make ourselves available. Just keep working at us. Keep speaking to us. Work away. Call to us. Hound us if you must. Bring us to the place where we would yield. And focus on the main thing. Not complaining about the manna. Grateful for the opportunity to share the bread. Friend, tonight, can you say yes to God now? A simple prayer. That's all I'm asking you to pray. A prayer that says, Lord, let me be the light of the world. Fill me with your spirit. Would you raise your hand with me? Only God is watching. You don't have to. 
But if you would raise your hand, you would be, you would be acting on a prayer that says, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Heavenly Father, let it be business unusual. We pray, we accept, we receive, and we believe in Jesus' name. Please say, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www. .asiministries.org Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org